Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Allison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully because there's no time to waste for all of us. Hey guys, just wanted to let you know we've got some killer guests on deck. We've got Rich Roll, the ultra endurance junkie, vegan, wellness advocate, and podcast host. We've got comedian Chelsea Handler, who has really evolved in recent years into an activist and has her own cannabis line. Um, And we've got Jay Shetty, former Buddhist monk turned purpose coach and podcast host, whose goal is to make wisdom go viral. More are in the hopper. So subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like what you hear, please do me a solid and leave a one sentence review on iTunes. It really helps. Erin Foster was born into a famous family, but her childhood wasn't what you're probably picturing. She's actually got a hell of a work ethic and she's carved quite the path for herself. Comedian, writer, actress, entrepreneur, and investor with what I'd call a Midas touch, Erin and her sister Sarah hitched their ponies to Mirror, which just got acquired by Lululemon, and Bumble, who just IPO'd, and they started a clothing company favorite daughter in the pandemic, which I have a feeling is also going to crush. Basically, Erin Foster is not what you'd expect. This is not a superficial Hollywood celeb obsessed with likes and followers, throwing away money on all the wrong things. I know this because we hired Erin for an LA event at my last company. She and I got to chat in person, and I was like, oh, I got this one wrong. Erin's the real deal. I thought we'd talk about how she uses her platform and power for good, but instead, we spent most of our conversation just getting right into it. Death anxiety, mortality, what happens after we die, and Erin made a strong pitch for Judaism. A surprisingly open conversation from a sharp, self-evolved human who, once again, is not your average bear. So here's Erin Foster for No Time to Waste. Here she is, Erin Foster, everyone. Is. So you, Erin, have basically hitched your pony to Mirror, which got acquired by Lululemon, and Bumble, which just went public and had an amazing freaking IPO. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also working with Bev and Somersault. And you also were like, yeah, we're going to start a clothing line called mm-hmm. Favorite Daughter. The reason why I I initially thought about you for the podcast was I was like, what I love most, like all that stuff aside, which is like hat tip to you, is how you have taken your platform and your sort of like social position or your power or whatever. And I've watched you like use it for good from your involvement with CASA, right? Mm -hmm to which I know you're really passionate about to even like buying out the Amazon wish lists of teachers or like doing little like micro fundraisers on Instagram like you have been like very focused on giving back and I have so respected that thank you well I think thank you for that very flattering in- introduction um when you lay things out like that obviously they 
you know, this is the high level stuff that we're looking at, right? The high level stuff of what, what you're seeing and like some big exit and, you know, great brand association and, and life is so much more complicated than that, obviously. So these are things I'm really proud of um, and feel really lucky to have been connected to. Um, but there's roots to all of it that are complex, challenging, hard, scary, frustrating. You know, as people, we're all really selfish and we're all kind of a version of being a narcissist. Um, we all think we're special or important and we want someone to remember us and we want someone to like be nice to us at a dinner party or not like big time us and you want someone to love you back. And like, you know, we think about our, we want to be chosen in some way. And mm -hmm. I think that social media has been such a destructive way for us to validate ourselves. And when I get caught up in likes and follows mm -hmm. and presenting myself skinny enough, pretty enough, young enough, cool enough, happy enough, mm -hmm. You know, that stuff doesn't really like make me happy. I think sometimes um, it makes me feel really anxious because I'm really like hooked into the wrong thing and it affects me. And so what I've learned that when I focus my energy on other people mm -hmm. in a good way, it relieves a lot of my anxiety, you know, because it takes you out of yourself. You're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking totally. in your head. Um I'm just an, an anxious person. So I, I spend a lot more time insulting myself in my head than I am like praising myself in my head. So I don't really want to be in my head. And so for me, when I started getting messages from teachers, one teacher, I don't know, saying, Will you, would you mind posting my Amazon wish list? I have to pay for all of my students' school supplies by myself. And it's thousands of dollars. And I make you know $58,000 a year. And I can't afford it. And I was like, how easy is it for me to post a link to some teacher's Amazon wish list? And two minutes later, it's filled. Two minutes later, this teacher is sending me a message, a video crying, thanking me. You don't know, you've changed my life. Oh, like, isn't that like the best? It's just like, how easy was that? I could sit, I could get a manicure while I'm doing that. And it makes this impact on this, this teacher that's like totally such an important job. So when that happened, I just real then I started getting a lot of messages from teachers like wait post mine post mine post mine, and it became you know it just snowballed into this thing that you just forget the things that we're so fortunate to have be a person that you're proud of and when I'm posting to help teachers uh, I'm not doing it so that people will like me more I'm doing it because I think that it's uh, exciting that I can do that. And then if people have a positive outlook from that, then that obviously relieves some of my anxiety. But you have to do things with like the right intention. Totally. You know, your intention <laughs> always felt. If you're doing something to, to be liked, I think that you can sniff that out in a dinner party and you can sniff it out on the internet. Remember dinner parties? Oh my God, I missed them. I know you're interviewing me here, but I have questions for you since you're going through such a wild experience that most people kind of wonder what it's like. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes... Um, like I've experienced things in my life where something extreme happens and you're so shocked at the mundane things that go through your mind, right? Like someone breaks up with you and you're like shocked and devastated. And then you think like, wait, so I guess 
we're not going to that dinner I thought we were going to go to. Or what am I supposed to tell my friend when they ask me this? Like you think about something really stupid. Yeah. And I wonder like when you, when you think that you have this time left, right? We don't know, right? You could maybe have time, less time. We don't know. But when you, when someone puts that, that sort of thought in your mind of like, there's a limitation here, like and you are supposed to use your time differently than you were supposed to before. Do you, do you really feel like you're experiencing the gratitude you for the small things that you thought you would, or does it kind of feel like you're panicking? I feel everything like all the time. Yeah. And I, what the one thing I would say for sure is I don't stay in one emotion for very long these days. Right. Um, do I, the, I feel when I, I feel Well, one, it feels surreal. Doesn't feel real. Doesn't feel like my life. Seems like weird. I was snowboarding yesterday, like just kind of like doing my thing, living my life and, you know, made dinner. Like life is normal. Um, I'll get annoyed about stupid shit. No, no. Um, And actually have like a visceral reaction now Mm. to stupid shit. And the desire to, thankfully, I don't interact with many people physically. And by any people, I mean, like, none, um, because I'm here in Boulder. But, like, I'm recognizing that the content that I'm, like, consuming, I can't, I can't deal with bullshit. Like, Like, look at Instagram and just go, you people have no fucking clue what's important. Yes, I do. But I also don't judge and blame because... I don't believe, and I've talked to a lot of people now, like, I don't know if you can grasp, like, mortality and the fact that every single one of us are going to die unless you are hit, like, upside the head with a diagnosis like mine or a tragic sudden death right? Or some other traumatic event. Like, I don't know. And that's what I'm, this is basically one big experiment. Because I'm like, can I get the message out there to as many people as possible that you are going to die? And I say that not to be a dick. I say that so that you recognize that you have an opportunity to reprioritize your life and look at the things that matter and look at the things that people regret on their deathbeds and craft a life without those regrets Mm -hmm. and look at every 24 hour period and fucking maximize your moments. And the things I talk about are gratitude, human connection, and joy. Mm -hmm. And if you can live in a 24 hour period where you keep those three things kind of like top of mind, Mm -hmm. no matter what happens around you, which all the circumstances you can't control, you're going to find a place of comfort so that if you put your head down on the pillow at night and you go, if I didn't wake up tomorrow, like I'd be okay. Right. Which you know? do you ever, but do you ever feel that way? I mean, I don't know if I could ever get to that place. No, where I'm fucking pissed. I'm pissed. This is a raw deal. This is a raw deal. And like, I'm working with my therapist, like on like actually feeling the feelings so that I can move through grief because the surrealness of the situation 
what I pictured for my life, like what I worked for to get here. It is bananas. And, and like everything I did in the first two years of treatment that all basically went to shit in 2020, regardless of what I was eating, how much I exercised, how positive I was in terms of my mindset, like it just didn't work. So yeah, to answer your question, which yeah, you're not supposed to be interviewing me. I, there's a lot I want to talk about. Like, listen, I I think that you know I personally always try to figure out. I'm not a person who like wakes up happy. I'm not a person who's naturally positive. I'm naturally cynical. I'm naturally afraid of everything. I'm naturally anxious. I'm naturally I'm naturally negative. It's not something I'm proud of. I don't like that about myself, and it's something I'm always working on. And I think that. Um, you know, I always wonder, I always, I don't always think about it, but I've thought about before, if I was in that situation, would I really know how to, you know, take advantage of it? It's like trying to teach young people how to appreciate being young. Like you just don't appreciate it. You just until, slap them. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. I remember that day too. Like I remember being 27 and having my girlfriend who was like 44. She was embarrassed about her birthday and she didn't want to talk about her age. And I like judged her for it. And I was like, oh my God, I am so chill about getting older. I always embrace my age. I embrace every year I get older. I'm just totally comfortable with it. And she was like, bitch, you're 20 fucking seven. You don't know what it's like to turn 43 and 44. Like, yeah, talk to me in 10 years and see if you're still proud of it. And now I'm 38. And I was like, the if you'd seen me on my birthday, it was like out of a bad movie. I was so mad. I was so <laughs> like upset. And I was just like, I just didn't want anyone to wish me a happy birthday. And I just kind of, you know, you think that you're going to be a certain kind of person. And I, and then it's just kind of hard to be that person sometimes. So I'm always, I'm fascinated by your circumstances and wonder if it forces you to kind of live your life the way you were wishing. Cause, cause I don't know if everyone would really be able to use this the way that, you know, you're meant to use it. Well, it's like, I don't like to take credit for this because basically it's like a hybrid of distraction slash denial mm-hmm. and staying busy. I spent 20 years building my career and working all the time. So to go from what my full-time job is to like be a cancer patient and like wait around to die. Yeah. I'm not doing that. That's like the world's most depressing thing. I too, and I have a bias towards action, right? Like the harder thing for me to do is like, sit down with headspace and like meditate and like stop. Right. Like that's the hardest for me. The easiest thing for me to be like is like, okay, so like, let's turn this into something good. Let's like freaking get a message out and help people and like talk to freaking interesting dynamic, like not your average bears. Like that's, that's what I want to do. That's easy for me. Right. Um, and you know, I, I like with your thoughts, let alone if you have that, you know, weighing on you. I mean, I just, I mean, I can't even sit with my own thoughts thinking I said something embarrassing at a dinner, let alone uh, a cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And it's like, not even a good, not even like what cancer diagnosis is good, but like, yeah, it's fucking real. It's bad. It's, it's like nothing is guaranteed. Like I'm living life in 90 day increments and, uh, well, the important thing is you are going to do something for other people because people will listen to this and will listen to other episodes you've done, I'm sure. And if it makes someone else, it's not fair that anybody else gets to benefit off of your fucking demise. But if somebody else appreciates their life more, 
then at least you can spend your time knowing that you are having the impact that's important that you deserve to give to everybody. Yes. And that, that like, that makes this whole, that makes me feel like my life is not in vain. Yeah. It makes me feel like this whole fucking journey, there's a reason for it. And that I may never know the real impact that I could have on people, but the messages that I get from people like all over the world, strangers mm-hmm. about, you know, very specific situations where this message has helped them and forced them to reevaluate their lives or pull back on something or dive into something else. Like mm-hmm. on the days when I don't feel well and January was a kind of shit month because they found more brain tumors at the beginning of January and I had to do 10 treatments of whole brain radiation because the tumors were all over. And that was just like the pits, like mm-hmm. just in terms of like stomach stuff and nausea and like explain why that is awful. Yeah. It was Ms. Um, and I always go in being like, yeah, sure. Like no problem. And then I'm like, what? I don't physically feel well. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. I'll get on the treadmill. I'll get on the Peloton. Um, but on days when I don't feel well physically, um, those messages from people that just always seem to like pop up exactly when I need them are what like holds me accountable and says like, no, like you have to get up. You have to go on the treadmill. You have to shower. And then like, you have to record this or you have to do that speaking gig. Like you have things on your calendar right now. And I'm so grateful for that because if I didn't craft this thing, like I would be just, again, sitting around like. And there's nothing but fear and anxiety and anger and regret. Nasty shit. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think you're living in denial. I think it's good to keep moving through it. There's no point in sitting there where eventually terror will seep in. Totally. And, And the cool thing, like, especially with the pandemic, like, it's hard for me sometimes to be like, what do I have to look forward to? Like what, like it's just fucking depressing thoughts, right. Which are normal, but I can't tell you how excited I'll get when I like book a new guest that I wanted to talk to. And it's not, has nothing to do with like how many followers they have or like, like, you know, how big they are, like who they're going to tell, like has nothing to do with that. It has to do with like, I want to have interesting conversations with interesting people that I would never have access to if I weren't in this basically like I'm like an adult make a wish kid yeah. where I'm like, all I want is to just have awesome conversations that are going to be captured forever. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be like my legacy and like, it's so it's all I freaking Chelsea Handler I'm gonna have in like a couple weeks yeah Rich Roll um Jay Shetty just confirmed um like it I'm so grateful like this is it's a it's a shit trade (laughs) and I would give away every penny that I've that I've made and worked for and I would give away every opportunity to talk to people if I could just make this all go away Anytime you see someone else going through something this extreme, you think, fuck, I wouldn't be able to handle that. Like, how do you prepare yourself for that? And then all of a sudden when it's you, like, you probably think you're the person who would have said you couldn't handle it. Correct. And the reality is, is like, 
you just keep going because you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice, right? Um, You have such a good attitude. and You're like, what else am I going to do? Exactly. By the way, what you need to do is you need to have Rabbi Steve Leader on your podcast. I'm going to connect you guys. He is an iconic rabbi. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or not. And he wrote a book recently that he's in the middle of promoting about death. Oh, I would love to. How to handle it. He's watched, you know, thousands of people die. He's listened to their last words. He's has so many views about it in a beautiful way. He talks about the things that people miss, the things that you think you're going to miss that you don't miss. He taught mm-hmm. it's, a, it's the most perfect fitting, and he is just he's such an amazing person. You're gonna you're gonna oh like so that is like you're nailing it. Everyone who I'm talking to right now is basically some person on my quest to ask them about what they believe happens after we die and. Mm-hmm just get all different perspectives mm-hmm. and take what I want and leave the rest for my own self-serving purposes. So I would freaking love to talk to that rabbi. Yeah, that's a good, really, that'll be great. Well, and I, I converted to Judaism when I got married. A oh, year I'm ago. aware. <laughs> so it was uh, very strange for me to figure out. I, I grew up with like um, a stepmom that was very Christian and I hated her and I hated her belief system. And I found the whole thing like extremely hypocritical. And so I decided I was an atheist and I just really wanted to like, I wanted to like piss people off and say, I don't believe in God. And just like felt good to be like anti everything. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like confident in that. And then as an adult, I really couldn't figure out what I was supposed to believe in. And I just didn't like, I didn't connect with people who had a strong belief in, in a strong faith because mm-hmm. I didn't what that was supposed to feel like. And it just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't fit for me. And, and then, you know, then you hit your thirties and it's like not as cool to be so anti everything. Cause now you want to believe in things. And, <laughs> and I married someone who believes in things and is not even necessarily God, but just like has faith in people, has faith in positivity, things working out, sees the best in people. And I realized I really didn't enjoy being as cynical as I was comfortable with. And so when it became clear that I would really, not like in a controlling way, but Simon wanted to marry someone Jewish because his grandparents are alive, fled Moscow because they weren't allowed to be Jewish. And it's not about religion as much as it is like carrying on traditions. Mm -hmm. And so when I did the conversion, I was really nervous that I was going to not believe in anything I was experiencing in the classes and I really wouldn't be able to follow through with it. And um, Judaism, it turns out, is like, I mean, Reform Judaism mm-hmm. is a very um, unoppressive religion where there's not really a thing you're supposed to believe in. Um, there was a class that we did in the conversion where when we came into the class, there were signs on all over the walls of different versions of like what God could be. Mm-hmm. One was like, you know, father time like watching over us and changing things and one was like, like mother beard nature. yeah exactly mm-hmm. and one was like the universe and one's mother nature and one's like you know a white man who makes decisions or one's a woman who's like ethereal and all these different versions of it and you're supposed to stand under the one that felt right to you yeah and we all kind of thought there was like a right answer and you had to kind of stand under the right one because you're converting so you think you're the religion's going to tell you like you guys are right and you guys are wrong. Right. But then they were like, 
there's no answer. This is just a conversation of what we all imagine it to be. And whatever it, it is for you is what it is, right? Like it has to be the thing that works for you. There isn't like an idea of what it's supposed to look like. It's funny thing that anybody on earth could try to claim rights to knowing what God is supposed to be for you. Totally. hundred percent. I talk about that a lot. And like how we think that we're like the center of the universe also, that like we're the most sophisticated beings that exist when you think about Earth in our solar system in a broader galaxy with like other galaxies, like what? And it's crazy. What do you think happens like after we die? Well, there's two versions. One's what I hope happens. Uh, and one's what I think probably happens. Um, you know, I think the cynical part of me feels like nothing happens. Um, so I think that, you know, my fear and sort of assumption is that nothing happens. Mm. Uh, and I don't like that thought that mm. you just disappear and that's it. But I will well, say, I don't love that. I, I know, that. I don't like that either. Um, but I will say that I have had experiences where it's kind of hard to deny that someone's spirit is still hovering around you in a good way. Mm -hmm. um, and I lost my stepdad like eight years ago, and he was a really important person to me uh, from cancer, of course. Um, Fucking and cancer. I know, it's just awful. And I'm still pissed about it. He was a really important person to me. And it's so crazy because he was a really specific kind of person. He's Japanese. He had a very specific way that he dressed. And he had a, just a very like big, funny personality. And um, I was with a girlfriend probably a year later. And she had summoned this like psychic to come to dinner to talk to her about like a breakup she was going through. And so we were having drinks. And I was like, oh, that's kind of random. And this woman shows up to talk to her about this breakup. And she's talking to her about the breakup and then she stops and she looks at me and she was like, sorry, there's someone here for you. And I was like, me? Who's here for me? I don't, what are you talking about? And she was like, there's a man here for you. And I can tell that he really loves you, but it's not romantic. And I was like, okay. And she's like, oh God, he's making me laugh. He like really loves all the attention he's been getting since he died. And this is like, literally Ron's personality. He lived for attention. Like he like loved when people talked about him and he always made a joke about that. And she was like, he's wearing like a cardigan sweater with like a printed, it was literally like his, his uniform. He every single weekend he would play golf and then he would put on this like graphic t-shirt, like a, and he's kind of like a band t-shirt with like a cardigan over it. And like a cardigan is very specific. My dad would never fucking wear a cardigan. And she described him to a T and she had like messages from him. And I was shook. I mean, I was like hysterically crying. I wasn't. Wait, how long ago was this? This is probably seven years ago. She, was, she was like a medium? Yeah, she was just a psychic. I don't know. Psychic. psychic. Okay. And I don't know. She just, but it wasn't like I set it up. She didn't know my name. Right, she didn't know right, my name. right. And it just, it was just so crazy. And, and it, those those kinds of experiences really confirm to me in the best way possible yeah. that we don't disappear. 
and that we always stay with the people that we love and care about and that there is somebody listening when you're thinking about them. And that's the best version of what happens. And there's a lot of proof, I think, that that is what happens. And like, and like, what's the, what I always, what I'm thinking about these days is like, and like, what's the harm in freaking believing that? Like, what's the harm? You're wrong. Okay, fine. Whatever. Won't matter then anyway. I talk about it. Like if, even if it's make-believe, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go like all in because if not, that idea of just like hard stop, no longer existing, like that that's the reason why that's called death anxiety and it's the reason why we as humans literally don't want to we avoid death like we avoid the topic of it we avoid, like we don't want to we don't want to go there because it creates this feeling of like existential terror when you think of not existing but if i think about i was talking with a somebody last week about like past lives and like that gets like a little woo for me by the way Got a crazy story for you about that. What? Confirm that for you. I'll try to make it quick. Basically, my dad and I are really claustrophobic. Okay, mm-hmm. my dad hasn't entered an elevator since I've known him, which is my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I then inherited that because I would avoid elevators with him, and I would take the stairs with him as a kid. And then it became terrifying to me. And it, mm-hmm. I went through cognitive behavior therapy for two years to try to start taking elevators, and like it's just been a, like a nightmare mm-hmm. hassle. So like six years ago or something, I don't remember when, I found out about this guy, Brian Weiss, who's like a past life regression person who like Oprah loves. And I told my dad, we got to get into this guy. So we went through every channel we had, got to him. He said, I'm going to be in LA, come to a hotel. We'll do it in a hotel room, whatever. So my dad and I each lay on a different bed. He's, I go first. And he basically tells me, close your eyes. Um, and so the idea is that in a past life, the way that you died dictates mm-hmm. what your fears and anxieties are in your current life. So their irrational fears that you have come from a, po- a previous life in the way that you died. So he is like, okay, close your eyes and count backwards from 10. And I'm just doing it. And I'm thinking like, I'm not at all hypnotized. I fully am aware of where I am. Like this is definitely not working and I'm going to have to think quickly and make something up when it gets to the, that point. Cause I don't want to disappoint this guy. It's like Brian fucking Weiss. He right. took Count backwards. Okay. He does a couple things to like get me into some trance, but I'm like not in the trance. <laughs> You're like, uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very alert right now. You know, I'm very aware of my surroundings. And then he says, you know, I don't know you picture yourself in a white room and I'm like, okay, I'm picturing it, but I also am in a hotel room and like picture a door. So I picture a door. Okay. Step through that door. Who are you? And I was like, I don't know myself. And he goes, okay, look at your hand. And I look at my hand with my eyes closed and it's a fucking man's hand, like a <gasps> huge man's hand. And I was like, okay, I'm a but man. You're like conscious. I am fully conscious and it is the clearest thing I've ever seen is that I am a man. It is like, you think that I would have made that up. I would have been like, I'm a princess in France and I'm, you know, I don't know. I would have done something way better than I'm a fucking man. See a man's hand. And he's like, okay, take your eyes up to your face. What do you look like? And I'm like, I am French. I have a large nose. I, my name starts with a G. Like it was like, so what? me, it was the weirdest thing. You remember and- all of this too? it so clearly. 
And I could not have made it up because I wouldn't have wanted this to be my life. Okay. And so he's like, okay, now go outside of yourself, build out the world around you. Where are you? And I was like, I'm in the middle of like a town square. I'm holding all these papers yeah. and I am really stressed out because I owe people money and I can't pay them. It was so clear to me. And he said, okay, I want you to go to your home. And I go home and I live in between these two buildings. It's like a makeshift like hut in between two buildings. And my wife and newborn baby are there sitting around a fire. And he's like, okay, take me to my debt to your death. And I said, okay, I got beaten to death for my debts. It was the most clear thing I've ever experienced. Wait, what? How long ago was this? I don't know. Six, six years ago, six, seven years ago. It was so crazy and it was so real and it was so clear. And I know nobody else cares about other people's dreams, other people's past lives. But the point is, if it's real for me, it's real for everybody. And it was fucking real. And I'm telling you, I have my whole life, I've been cheap. My whole life, I like, am, I have anxiety. I always feel like I don't have money. I always feel like I never spend money on anything. I don't buy clothes. I, don't, I mean, cheap clothes. I buy like yeah. cheap clothes. I don't buy bags. Like handbag girl, don't yeah. care. Shoes, don't care. Jewelry, don't care. I've never been like a spender. I'm always like, frugal. You have irrational financial insecurity. Yeah, I do. I just don't care to spend money because I'd rather just keep it or hold on to it. So I think that that is just a good message that these are two experiences that are not proof, but you know, good signs that these things exist. Okay. So let's go back to the question of then why? Yeah. Like let's not have the, here's what I hope happens. And then here's what I think probably happens. We don't just stop existing. We just, I feel like, and again, if it's make-believe, fine, who cares? But we, how could we expect our little tiny pea brains to wrap our heads around our spirit, leaving our body and moving on to like the next thing? Yeah. We, we like, we're idiots. We're ants. We're like... I think it's a good point that I think sometimes we just have to remember the vastness of possibilities that we don't have the ability to understand. And maybe it's something so much bigger than us that we can't see it. And that's great. That's good. Cause we're human right now. And we're, we have human thoughts and human fears over little things. Mm -hmm. And one day we're going to be able to see things in a much bigger, better way. And I'm sure with hindsight, we'll look back at our life and be like, really should have focused on different things. And that's the whole and then we come full circle because that's fucking no time to waste. That's what it's about. And that's what I'm trying to get the world to or get people, as many people as I can to to get because it will make me feel like my life was not in vain, you know? Well, it's but definitely not. Thank you. Thank you for, for taking the time. I know you're a busy gal. And who says gal? Like my dad. <laughs> um, thank you. And thanks for like being so vulnerable and like open. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. So if you really want to maximize your moments, you could pitch in and help us get the word out. Just rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That's it. Oh, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss future episodes and bonus content. For more motivation, head to notimetowasteproject.com or join the squad on Instagram at notimetowasteproject. Grazie mille. <laughs>